Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to talk to you about the most important thing about you. And the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. Do you believe God is mad? Do you believe he cares? Do you believe he's distant? You know, we have deists. And deists believe, yeah, God somehow created this universe and set it up like a watch. And he threw it out there and he took off. But he's distant. And he's not involved at all in what is happening. Uh, Do you believe he's a rewarder? Do you believe he's loving? Do you believe he's vengeful? Uh, Do you believe he's waiting for you to mess up? You know, there's a lot of people, I mean Christians, who believe God is in heaven with a big fly swatter. He's just waiting for you to mess up. He can go, make a mess out of you. Does he value you? Uh, Do you believe God does not exist? Uh, How many of you have noticed there have been a lot of mass shootings lately? And people are, well, what's the problem? Why, 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 why? I personally believe the why is our educational system. And this is why I believe that. When you tell people that you really just came from a bunch of slime, and billions of years ago, an electric current hit it, and that slime came alive and turned into a tadpole. And it grew some legs and walked out of that pond one day and grew some hair, climbed up in a tree, started eating bananas. And then one day it just says, you know, I'm going to shave. Got a briefcase, showed up on Wall Street. (laughs) Now, look, look, if you believe that, (laughs) there is no purpose to your life. You have no value. There's no judgment day. There is really no absolute truth, and there is really no right and no wrong. And if that's what you teach people, is it any wonder that they act crazy? Crazy. Other people, very simply, uh, they're mad at God, or they believe God's mad at them. Ted Turner had a troubled childhood. When he was 15 years old, his sister died of lupus, the disease. Turner said very candidly, he said, I lost religious belief when my sister got lupus. She was 12 and she died at 17. I was 15 when she got it. She was ill. It ruined her mind. She became insane. She used to go around the apartment and run into padded walls and say, God, I'm in so much pain. Please kill me. Ted's father, who eventually killed himself by firing a bullet into his brain, renounced religion. He said, if that's the type of God he is, I want nothing to do with him. Ted said shortly thereafter, he himself abandoned any semblance of faith. And that decision, you know, was demonstrated itself in a number of ways throughout the years. He became profane, hard drinking. He said to one of his wives, my business comes first, my boat comes second, and you're third. When you don't believe in God, you get mad at God, you reject God, it's going to have an effect on the way that you live, it's going to have an effect on your values and on your morals. The famed atheist Richard Dawkins, he ex- in his assessment of human worth, 
This is what he said. He said, there is no, there is at the bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pointless indifference. We are machines propagating DNA. If you don't believe there's a God, is it any wonder people get depressed, try to fill their life with materialism? Some become very sarcastic about life. Others see it as just hopeless. You know, when you don't believe that there is a God, that you have value, that there's purpose to your life, you're, you're going to live a certain way. Now, there are literally seminars that tell you there's no purpose to your life, so invent one. And then tell yourself it's important and live for it. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's a purpose to your life. That there is a judgment day. That there is a God and he's not distant. He's, he cares and he is concerned and he's loving and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think it's interesting that God gets blamed for most of the evil that happens in the world. Well, there, there, there's a hurricane. It's an act of God. Lightning strikes a tree and it falls on your car. Insurance company says, that's an act of God. And a lot of people, they really do think God's just mean. There's, a, there, there's really, even in Christianity, a, a segment of people that they, they believe God is mean. They look at Jesus and they see him on the cross, you know, with tears and a, and a crown of thorns. And they, 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 they pity Jesus. But they think maybe Mary can help me. She understands. Uh, I, I would like to say, you know, if you're talking to Mary, she's on the other side of heaven. She didn't have a clue what you're talking about. And, and uh, God is not mean. And Jesus is not on a cross. He's seated at the right hand of God in a position of authority, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. Others see God conflicted, almost schizophrenic, a good cop, bad cop. That God causes trouble and Jesus tries to get us out of trouble. But Jesus said this, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. He said, and if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If God is the one causing trouble and Jesus is trying to get us out of trouble, it's a kingdom divided against itself. And Jesus said, it cannot stand. Now, a hunger for God is a great sign. It, it, it really demonstrates that there is a destiny for you. There's purpose and there is personal fulfillment that God has for you. I want you to think about this. Jesus worked against tragedies that were devouring people's lives and tried to bring restoration and healing. How many sick and diseased people came to him and left afflicted and disappointed. How many times did Jesus actually say that the problem a person was having was God trying to teach them a lesson so that they could be more like God? How many diseased people did he try to explain to them that it wasn't God's timing yet? And how many tormented people did he leave in that condition saying, this is just a result of your choices? How many of you know bad choices can bring some bad results? But Jesus never said, I'm going to leave you there. He never said, tough it. You brought it on yourself. 
he not only lived differently from the common understanding of God of his day, he lived completely contrary to the common understanding of God in his day. Now, once you listen, Jesus is perfect theology. You say, what does that mean? That means Jesus is an exact representation of God in every single possible way. In uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, one translation says that he is a mirror image of God the Father. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. And he demonstrates exactly what God is like. But what we tend to do is we tend to blame God for about everything that happens that goes wrong. We figure it's God's will. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. He says, but the thief, the devil, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there is a famine in the city of Samaria. The famine is there because the enemies have surrounded the city and they haven't let any food come in for an extended period of time. In fact, it gets to the point where the Bible says a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. Now, now to put that in perspective, the average wage was five shekels a month. So it's over a year's wages for a donkey's head. And I don't know who wants this one, but a calf, a quart of dung, of dove doo-doo, was over 10 weeks wages for a half a quart. So, so we're talking, we're talking hard times. And, and the king is out taking a walk and a, a woman cries and says, King, help me. And he said, well, what's the problem? And she says, well, this lady I live with, she said, let's eat your son today and we'll eat my son after we eat your son. So we ate my son and now she hid her son and I want you to help me find him. Well, he's like, oh my goodness, what does it come to? He tears his clothes and uh, he says, God, do so to me and more if the head of Elisha, the son of Saphath, remains on him today. Now, Elisha is a prophet who's there. Now, now listen, when people get mad at God, they take it out on you. They get mad at, they get mad at God and they say, let's stone Moses. They get mad at God and they say, let's stone David. And they take it out on you. And that's what he is doing here. And this is what the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. And why should I wait for the Lord any longer? He said, it's God who brought all this on. This is God doing all this to us. He's punishing us. And he shows up at the prophet's house. And the prophet says this, this time tomorrow, there's going to be an abundance of food sold in the city gate at normal, everyday, common prices. And the man who's next to the king said, man, if God were to open the windows of heaven, could such a thing be? And the Bible says right outside the gate were some lepers. And they said, you know, if we just stay here or go in the city, we're going to starve. But if we go down to the camp of the enemy, they might kill us, but then we're just going to die. But if they feed us, we can stay alive. So they go down to the camp and when they get there, it's empty. Because God had caused them to hear the sound of an army approaching and they ran off. And it's interesting that that man who said, if God were to open the windows of heaven, he's standing in the gate and he gets trampled to death. He saw it, but he never partook. 
How many of you realize that in Christianity, we need to believe it before we're going to see it? You need to believe it before you're going to see it. You know, Job goes through a terrible, terrible time of trial in his life. And so many people say, I'm Job, I'm Job, I'm Job. Well, well let me just say this. Uh, the Bible scholars disagree on how long Job was in that condition. But those that say he was in it the longest say nine months. Most Bible scholars say it's between three, closer to three months, but maybe as long as nine months. So if you're going to get, be Job, you, you need to get healed and you need to get twice as much blessing as you ever had before. But listen, he lost all his goods. He lost his kids. He lost his health. And he's blaming God. And this is what he says. He says, he, God, destroys the blameless and the wicked. If the scourge says, slays suddenly, he laughs at the plight of the innocent. He says, God sees what's going on and he just laughs when innocent people are are taken advantage of when they go through a famine or when war comes. But the Bible says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmity, that everything you feel, he feels. And he says, the earth is given into the hands of the wicked. He covers the faces of the judges. And if it isn't he, who else could it be? I, I, I love this verse in Spanish where it says, si no es él, quién es y dónde está? He says, well, if it's not the devil, who is it and where is he? Who is it and where is he? Well, I'm going to tell you who it is. It's the devil. The Bible says the devil went out and smote Job with sore boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. He's blaming God, but it wasn't God. It was the devil. Now, here's the thing. He could not grab a Bible and open it up to Job too. It wasn't written yet. So he actually had an excuse for his ignorance. But you and I do not have the same excuse. We, we can read the story. And, and he says, and where is he? Well, I'll tell you where he is because Peter told us. He says, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's been down your street. He's checked out your house. And it's not God that was the problem. Excuse me, the devil, the devil was the problem. God was not the problem. And when he turned to God, the Bible said God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. He was not only healed, but God blessed him abundantly. Jesus said this. He said, he did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. Now, if you open your Bible in the very beginning, it's called the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And there's literally 2,000 years of human history in that book. But it starts out in Genesis 1 and 2, and God has created the earth. And he takes a man and a woman, and he places them in this beautiful, beautiful, perfect situation. And he told them, he said, now, I, I want you to, to guard and to keep and this, this, this beautiful place. Well, Satan shows up in Genesis chapter 3. And he tempts Adam and Eve and they bow their knee to Satan. And literally what happens is the glory that God had given to Adam and Eve, the devil steals it. He steals it. In Romans 5 verse 12, therefore, just as through one man, sin 
entered the world and death through sin. You see, Adam let sin and death and sickness and disease and war and rape and prejudice and every evil thing you can think of, it came in when, Sa- when Satan deceived Adam and Eve and they bowed their knee to him. In fact, before he shows up, every day God comes down with Adam and Eve and they have perfect fellowship. Now you go way to the end of the Bible. It's called the book of Revelation. And in the 20th chapter, in verse 10, it's the last time you hear about the devil. He gets thrown into the bottomless pit where the beast and the false prophet are, where he's tormented day and night forever and ever. And then listen to the next chapter. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, when it says new heaven, it's talking about an atmosphere. For the first heaven, atmosphere in the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor more pain for the former things have passed away. Literally, God gets his way the first two chapters and in the last two chapters and everything in between, the devil messes up. It's not God that is our problem. He is the answer to our problem. Now, notice it said that that holy city, the new Jerusalem, it comes down out of heaven from God and it comes down to earth. Now, this may surprise you, but you will not spend eternity in some faraway galaxy or floating on a cloud, wearing a sheet, playing a harp with naked babies shooting little arrows. None of that's in the Bible. None of it. Right? But what makes heaven heaven is God's city and God himself. And God moves. He doesn't take a suitcase or a U-Haul trailer. He takes a city. And he's bringing that city and he's coming to this earth. And by the way, you will spend eternity on a brand new blessed earth. Perfect, perfect, perfect earth in right relationship with God, fellowshipping with God. You say, I never heard that before. Well, it's in the Bible. And listen, I don't care if you're Catholic, if you're Reformed, if you're Baptist, Episcopalian, I don't care what you are. All of us believe that. All of us. Now, it's amazing how often we we don't talk about it, how seldom it's talked about. But that is what the Bible teaches, and that's what every Christian group believes. Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 5. The devil takes Jesus and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. This is what the devil said. All authority, all this authority, I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Now, if the devil's lying, there's no temptation. So he's not lying. 
And he says, all the glory of the kingdoms of the world was delivered to me. Who gave it to him? Adam. Adam bowed his knee and Satan took his position as God's prince and began to move in this world. Jesus said this, John 14. He said, the ruler of this world is coming. Speaking of Satan, he called Satan the ruler of this world. And he said, he has nothing in me. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's God with a small g. It's talking about Satan. He blinds people's eyes so they don't see the light of the gospel. 1 John 5, verse 9. We know positively that we are of God. And what else do we know positively? The whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. The whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. Other translations say the whole world rise under the misery and influence of the evil one. Voice translation, the whole world around us is in the grip of the evil one. Another translation, the whole world belongs to the devil. Now, it's not talking about the planet. It's talking about this world system that we're living in. It's under the rule of the evil one. Romans 5, verse 12, 17. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through the one. That's what Adam did. Death, sin, war, pestilence, famine, sickness, disease. How much more will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, with God, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. One man got us in a lot of trouble. But one man, the Bible says, gets us out of trouble. The first Adam married to Eve, lived in a garden and messed up. But the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. He came to reverse what Satan had done through the first Adam. We have this picture of God. Now, if you're building a house and the foundation is off, if it's just off one degree on the first floor, you put that second floor off and that's off two degrees. But you put the third floor on and it's off four degrees. And you put the fourth floor on, it's off eight degrees. You put the fifth floor on, you're off 16 degrees. You know, and we just need to have a little bit of misconception about God. And listen, it will mess your whole life up. It will mess your whole life up. That's why I said the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. So David, King David gets up one afternoon from a nap, the Bible says. He's a little bored. He looks out from his house. He's up on the roof and you know, in the Middle East, all, all the roofs are flat. And he's looking around and he sees somebody taking a bath. Uh, not a good place to take a bath on the roof of your house when somebody else's roof is higher. And you know the story. He calls and her name's Bathsheba and she comes and they commit adultery and she uh, becomes pregnant. And so he has her husband murdered. So nobody will find out what he did. And over a period of time, the prophet Nathan comes and confronts him and he repents and 
He actually writes the 51st Psalm about the repentance that goes on in his heart. And then it says that David and he, he has married Bathsheba and they have another child and they, they call him Solomon. But uh, God said, call him Jedidiah, which means loved by God. The Lord loves him. In fact, he said, the Lord loves him. Now, you may think that you messed up and that God's done with you and everything that you do because of something that you did. But let me just tell you, it's not true. God was not done with David or Bathsheba. In fact, they end up teaching Solomon, and it's in your Bible, in the book of Proverbs. And your kids aren't done because you've messed up. Look, they messed up, but yet God took their son and, and said, look, I love him. God appeared to him twice, gave him more wisdom than he gave to anybody. And you may be here and your parents did not want you and they were surprised when you showed up. But I've got news for you. God was not surprised and he wanted you. You may have even been a result of a rape, but you are not unwanted and unloved by God. And the way that you messed up does not mean the rest of your life that you are second rate and God is punishing you and putting you aside and not answering your prayers or using you or blessing you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. In Isaiah 53, he says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, nor will the flame scorch you. And God says, why? Because I'm with you. I got good news for you. He's more than with you. The Bible says he's in you and he's for you. Second Corinthians five, verse 18. All these things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. God's given us the privilege of urging, urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. Get that? God wants you to come into his favor. You're a Christian. You're in his favor. When the angel appeared, when Jesus was going to be born, he said, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. See, that's God's position towards you. Goodwill towards you. Favor towards you. Now listen, for God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting or holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. God is not holding your sins against you. The Bible says he's blotted them out. When Elisha is in a famine, he goes to the widow of Seraphath. And literally, there is a miracle that's taking place. She only has a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. But supernaturally, every day it's multiplying and it's multiplying and multiplying. And her son dies. And this is what she says. She comes to the prophet and says, have you come here? just to bring up the sins of my past, the sins of my youth. She looked at what happened to her in her home, and she says, it's because of the bad stuff I've done. Do you know what? There are millions and millions of people that are Christians that they believe all the problems that are in their life are because of the bad things that they've done. Doesn't matter how much God has blessed them. She is having a continuous miracle every single morning, every single night. And in spite of all of it, when something bad happens, she says, God's punishing me. God's looking back to the sins of, of my youth. 
But the Bible says God is not holding your sins against you. In fact, the Bible says he's blotted them out. They are gone. They are gone. And in God's presence, God's eyes, it's as if you never even sinned. See, what happened at the cross is that God took all of your sin, your unrighteousness and your vileness, and he put that on Jesus. And he took Jesus' righteousness, his goodness, and he put that on you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, you're in him. Your sins are blotted out. You've received that forgiveness. And in God's eyes, he has taken Jesus' righteousness and given it to you. I'd like everybody to stand. We're going to do something a little bit different. I know that there are people that are here today. You're just like that widow. Although God has done things for you, you look at everything that's gone wrong in your life and you believe God is punishing you. He's punishing for you the things that you've done. You think God is holding your sins against you and God won't bless you. God won't answer your prayers. Anything that goes wrong, you believe this is God punishing me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That needs to be rooted up and taken out of you. And there, there, there are things that are going on in your life today that you're letting go on in your life because you have a false concept of who God is. Right? Uh, some of you, you're, you're not receiving the breakthrough that God has for you. Again, same thing. You've got this wrong concept of God. And there's some of you, you've been mad at God. Because you've blamed him for things that have happened in your family, in your life, and you're still mad at God. And that thing needs to be broken off your life today. Now, if you're mad at God, I want to invite you to come forward. If you're that person who everything that's going on or something that's happening in your life and you believe today, you have believed coming into this place that God, because of the things that have happened in my life, God will not heal me. God will not deliver me. God's not going to bless me. God's not going to use me. There is no breakthrough for me because of the things of my past. If that's you, I want to invite you also to come forward right now. Just make your way down here. Now, I know, I know how many people should be here, but I want to invite you wherever you're at. We're going to break that thing in Jesus name. We're going to break it today in Jesus' name. If you're in the balcony, come down wherever you're at. Don't, don't let the lie of the devil steal from you. Steal from you. And it, this can have an effect on your life way beyond anything that you've ever thought. Again, that foundation can be off just a little bit. But as your life grows and as you age, you can get so far away from where you should be in God. Well, I'm going to come down and, and I'm going to pray with you. But I'd like everybody to extend your hands. And let's pray. Holy Spirit, we say come. 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 And minister truth to each and every one of these. Lord, we pray that they will comprehend the love of God.
the height, the depth, the length, the width, the love of God that passes all understanding. And we pray, Father, for freedom in their lives today. We break every lie of the enemy. We, we destroy its power. We uproot it and we pull it out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for the Spirit of God ministering life. We thank you, Father, for there's healing of hearts. We thank you, Father, that there's breakthrough that's coming into their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.